our communities are the ones that were mostly affected by colonization, now by segregation and inequalities and poverty and extractivism and climate change. Like, how is it, how is it now indigenous people's responsibility to heal the rest of the world? Indigenous people make up just 6% of the global population, but they steward and protect 80% of the Earth's remaining biodiversity. Helena Gualinga is a 20-year-old Ecuadorian environmental and human rights activist from the Sarayuku community. Their community is known to defeat the government in a president court case sending a message to the governments and multinational companies to respect the indigenous land and their culture. Helena is an influencer followed by tens of thousands of young followers and a prolific spokesperson meeting world leaders on various platforms such as the UN, COP and World Economic Forum. I'm grateful to Helena for being so kind and patient with my imperfect questions and for generously sharing her thoughts and her indigenous wisdom. This is Talks of Imperfection. Welcome to the jungle. Please walk us through why the indigenous communities are on the front line in the battle against climate change and the loss of biodiversity. Why are these themes so important to indigenous communities? Well, first of all, in the way that our relationship is with nature, it's a part of our identity and lifestyle. So just because of that, it's such an essential part of our life that if, it, if our nature or surrounding or environment is affected or destroyed, that is for us like it's affecting us, it's destroying us. And we see ourselves as part of nature. So we always say this, that harm to a person is directly harm to nature, and harm to nature is directly harm to a person. Um, but it's also when it comes to, you know, the extractive industries, um, our, you know, our communities are on the front lines against extractivism. Um, taking all the consequences of political persecution for standing up against oil and mining companies. Um, if they do get into our communities, you're on the front lines to all of the pollution uh, that comes with it, you know, pollution in the water. Um, there are communities that now have mer mercury in their water because mining companies started coming in or have oil in their waters. Uh, but then the issue that the crisis that the fossil fuel industry is creating, which is climate change, is also impacting mostly indigenous communities. And yet, we, if we look at the world and see, okay, so where have we most biodiversity preserved or pristine forests or water sources? Those are still under indigenous people's lands. So there is this pattern of indigenous people always being on the front lines, always being the targets, but somehow they've managed to still be the ones that have stewardship and custodianship over um, forests and ecosystems. Um, and I think that says a lot about the, 
the culture, but also the deep understanding that indigenous people have of of nature. Hmm. And your community is quite deep in the jungle, right? Could you describe if someone would visit you from from US, what would be the route? Well, yeah, um, first you have to arrive in Quito. Uh, from Quito, you have to drive around five hours to the closest town, which is Puyo. And from Puyo, you take either a canoe or an airplane um, to my community. So from Puyo, you would have to drive two hours to the river and then take a canoe for about three or four hours. Uh, or by airplane, it's 25, 30 minutes. Um, so it's pretty far away because we don't have roads there. Um, and that is also the reason why we still have rainforest there, basically. Mm. Wow. And how big is the community? Um, so territory-wise, it's 140,000 hectares of pristine rainforest, basically. Um, there are about 1,200, 300 people based in the community. But people are also living on the outside, and I wouldn't be able to say how many we are, but mm. we're, we're quite a lot now nowadays. Yeah, it's it's been growing. <laughs> nice. And you got your own schools? and Yeah, we have small community schools. We have one high school. Um, but there is so much that needs to be done when it comes to education in our communities. Um, I myself would really like to work on that in in the future, I'm involved in, in some initiatives to improve education in my community and um, really happy about that. Hmm. And you are part of an activist community. Could you um, walk us through what kind of uh, changes uh, your your family has, has created for your community? Well, I wouldn't say it's, it's my family. Um, like the entire community is so engaged. Um, I guess, you know, a lot of my family members have been leaders, etc. But uh, it's it's kind of just like everyone's role to contribute to the community. So you just need to find your role in that. And that is what community essentially is about. Um, so I think that, you know, like my family has, has done whatever we can and then everyone's contributing in in some ways um yeah i think uh the the leadership part has been really strong in in my family Mm. what's your message to the world even if if we stop emitting like today um there will still be 27 centimeters of sea level rise and that is i don't think we can imagine how what that will look like Everything that's being done to harm nature, to cut down forests, to continue emitting, to continue exploiting oil, should be completely illegal. Like, it's putting so many people in danger. It's, it's crazy. If we, we just saw what happened in Pakistan. 30 million people are displaced and have no food or shelter. Um, if, you know, a couple of people could do that let's say them put 30 million people in a box and do something like that to them that would be completely insane they would be sentenced to i don't know how many lives in prison because it's behind they're hiding behind corporations and businesses it's somehow illegal and completely possible 
and it's been so for i don't know how many years for for and 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 to me it's it's completely insane that that is allowed you know like it, everyone knows all the decision makers knows what is happening and what is at risk and what is what they are what they're playing with and yet they just continue to to let it happen um that that is i i just can't really understand it with like coming up with these false solutions as the carbon market and celebrating quote-unquote climate victories when a uh, new technology is 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 found or invented which on a small scale sure it's it's good but if we look at the bigger pictures we're just going to worse so all these small victories sure they can be really good and we should not say that they're bad but it's not making a difference on the on the global climate directly i know people are like well we shouldn't be too radical about this but i i don't understand what else could now like at this stage actually have an impact um and people might think that that sounds crazy but what's actually crazier is to let the world like literally burn down in front of us and not do anything i think that is completely insane do you remember a moment where you really felt that you were hurt or like you really created an impact um well it's it's a hard question actually and um because i'm always wondering this like are people actually listening is it actually worth it uh i'm always question having these questions um because i don't really know because i can't not read their minds i can listen to their feedback look at their reactions but i have a hard time measuring to what extent that is impacting people and that might just be from my own perspective maybe other people can say like no like this is how much impact you've had mm. um but I'll, that is also one of the reasons why i think that this needs to go further than the talking and the sharing um because i want to see measurable impact um actually like a couple of days ago i spoke at a panel um and in front of students Uh, I think it was around a thousand students, um, business school students, which is an interesting crowd to me because I've never had that one before. Um, but it's also because I know that they have another perspective mm. than what I would have. Um, but the response that I got was really, really positive. Um, and I think for me there that is the challenge because i need to translate what i'm trying to say into their language sometimes or into concepts that they would understand um so that is a challenge for me and i think it was it was kind of quite fun to 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 try to do that um so i think that i mean it's it's the most recent one but i think it's also the one that i've enjoyed the most because it was a little bit different in a way um But we'll see. Hmm. <laughs> How you take care of your own well-being? Um, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, I think for a lot of young people right now, like um, uh, that is actually very hard. Uh, the future that we are 
imagining right now is not the most positive one mm. um among you know people in my of, of my generation there's a lot of fear and anxiety and uh hopelessness because of the climate crisis mostly mm. um where people do not see a safe future um and i think with all the things that i am seeing that are happening back in ecuador or in other countries um it's even tougher because it's already happening now happening now um so that can be very overwhelming and to see you know issues related to gender or to the environment or just all these social problems that exist like to be honest everyone's still figuring that out of how do we take care of ourselves and how are we okay with what's happening how can we accept that everything is not perfect right now but still not give up um because i know there's a lot there's this mindset that okay well i'm studying business i know that climate change is going to be really bad for the planet but i'm gonna work in an oil company and get money because i might as well make some money while we're alive you know that is there is that mindset so how do we avoid to get to that point of hopelessness and giving up that we still can be part of creating change um i wouldn't be able to say how but i'm always inspired by my own community and i go back there and i always feel energized and know you know know the why i'm trying to do what i do uh and that's the most important part for me um so when i was really like down or at a low point in my life i went to my community and spent time there and and really like felt like i need to go back um so for me that is something that has worked to go home and which personal imperfection you are working on right now that's a good one uh a lot of them not just one i, I think i have uh, so many um like I, i i think everyone that <laughs> talks to me or sees me they're like oh you're very confident and uh you're not really afraid or ashamed of anything that you're saying and i'm i'm not but every day kind of keeping up that confidence or that uh, or finding that confidence um and power in my words and what i believe in can sometimes be hard um and you can imagine yourself I'm a young woman and I've sat down with many big people and um uh and young indigenous women you need to have a, a strong mentality to be able to to sit down and be completely confident in every single word that you express um and I'm definitely working on that and um I, it's part of part of my growth but yeah a lot of a lot of um a lot of my characteristics i'm i'm still working on i think there's so many things i'm working on <laughs> something changed in inside me um when we came together so we we met in in glasgow in in cop and i was invited uh luckily to this gathering and mm-hmm. it was a beautiful moment where um indigenous community and westerners came together and we had a, that fireplace and we had like 100 people and different um uh, prayers and and songs were sang around the fire and and it was such a beautiful moment where 
together we looked at better future and 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 at least in, inside myself something something really moved because i could i could immediately see Mm, the suffering, of course, yes, but I also saw the potential of collaboration, mm-hmm. and um, I got a lot of new friends like you, and also my my understanding deepened. Mm-hmm. Like in those those two days, all of a sudden, I I I received so many teachings from elders and. Um, for example, I learned that yes, of course, we should now immediately clean the mess, and we should um, take into account what has happened and how how the uh, indigenous communities have suffered because of the 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 you know all all the way back to the colonialistic times. But also, mm, I learned that there is willingness for collaboration. An openness with respect Mm -hmm. and one interesting thing I learned from Auntie Ivy um, she said that when you when you meet and try to collaborate with indigenous people never go with your own agenda Mm -hmm. always ask how how could we help how could we collaborate Mm -hmm. do you have any other other um, like advice how to find common ground, how to, um, how to collaborate, how to co-create better future? Good question. Um, well, I, I definitely agree with uh, not going with your own agenda. I think it's a lot about um, decolonizing yourself in the process, um, decolonizing mindsets, or if you don't want to use the word decolonizing, well, deconstruction deconstructing habits that do harm other people because in the end um all the privileges that exist in in other parts of the world have come from the suffering of people in other parts of the world um and that has also shaped the social atmosphere and the social understanding around uh, indigenous people in other parts of the world um so that is a first step to understand um, that reality and try to see it from the perspective of the people that have been um, that have been harmed Um, and I think it's also important to change the mindset of we're going to help you because everything is so terrible for you to how do we be allies to you and um, support in a organic way that respects your values, your traditions, and does not impose again, even if it's unconsciously, my agenda or your agenda. Um, and that is, it's it's hard, hmm. but it's uh, things need to be done right. Hmm. And the problem is so much in the structures, while the indigenous people represent the minority of the population you guys you are you are the the um keepers and and the stewards of the the majority of the biodiversity and for me it just doesn't make any sense like why don't why don't we have uh, proper indigenous representatives making decisions over this planet like yeah, definitely it just doesn't make any sense yeah 
<laughs> tell me about it um i think that's one of the things that i'm really passionate about that yeah, increasing indigenous participation in decision making um not just to be talking or being inspiring um but to actually be part of be part of the decision making and and let's also talk about you know decision making isn't just to sit down and say yes or no uh it's a longer process and that will take time and if you think of i guess quote-unquote like western governance and indigenous governance those are completely different and to come together and have decision making that actually works for both that will take time and it will it will be a process um i think a lot of times the the how people justify themselves for not in, inviting indigenous people or given space or platform to indigenous people is well they don't have the technical um experience or ability like it could be all from not speaking english to maybe not have an understanding in um international law or the more more technical parts um and that's why they like to put us on panels and uh so that we can inspire people and this inspire the people that are going to make decisions while not letting them make the decisions themselves um and that's why this kind of current governance doesn't really work and decision making process doesn't work because it's built not to involve indigenous people mm. and i had not i had not understood this before i was like so why are we not just bringing them to the table mm. Well, it's not about bringing them to the table. It's about creating the table that actually is supposed to make space for indigenous mm -hmm. people. Because if not, it will not work. And that is a process that will take time. But it won't happen if there's no initiative and ambition to do so. Mm. What do you think? What would happen if the thousand biggest company CEOs would have an indigenous advisor, each of them? Um, I, I really do wonder if it would make such a big difference. I mean, there might be some changes, but again, that is, again, it's still the, it's still the same structure. So it's putting an advisor and then they might or might not listen to them. And I, I think it, it's, it's still the same structure. It's just like we add a, a little plus to it so we need to put them as ceos then. <laughs> i mean that would be interesting uh, but i think again the, the the position of a ceo it's it's also built on uh this triangle of getting to the top hmm. and that is not what indigenous communities or decision making looks like so it would not be organic for us to do so but of course it would be interesting to see more ceos and 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 or uh, in general see more indigenous people in high positions um because it might be different um but i i deeply believe in creating new ways of of decision making and change Um, because the one the structures that we have today do not really work um so i'm not saying no to indigenous ceos i'm just thinking i don't think it's the solution mm -hmm. um but it's probably a better option you know hmm. <laughs> what would be your advice you guys are specialists when it comes to climate change how yeah. on earth we we could get more into a kind of collaborative mindset and work together Well, I think it's a coming together of all relevant sectors, you know, 
um, indigenous people that also can make decisions. We need people from the scientific world um, and and uh, people that do make decisions. And, and that would be really good if they were indigenous people as well. How can we incorporate indigenous people so that their, you know, knowledge actually has impact? Um, and I do not think that that works through an advisor or as a speaker or as a keynote speaker. I mean, it will touch people. It will change people's minds. But there is no structural change then. And that is what we're looking for. Like, that's what so urgently needed right now. Um, I wish I had the answer to how we uh, how we can do that. But I think even starting the conversation will, um, you know, by that we will start to find our way towards that. I've seen a, a rising interest towards the indigenous wisdom and spirituality. Um, do you see there any any kind of um, ways forward together? Well, I think it's it's interesting that you raise especially the spirituality part. Um, I think people are now desperate and are looking into, you know, other ways of seeing the world and um, and that's and looking to indigenous cultures and knowledges and wisdoms because that was what always was needed. But when it comes to spirituality, I'm actually very skeptical because there is so much exploitation of it. Because if it's you're not truly have deconstructed what I was talking about earlier, again, this becomes a practice of exploitation. And that is unfortunately what's happening with indigenous spirituality all over the world, and especially in the Amazon um, and in South America. Uh, and that is really, really frustrating to, for me to see because uh, many justify it with good intentions. Um, but I have a hard time accepting that. We have been taught to... Um, accept harm if it's done in the name of good intentions mm. and that is a, a something that is you know we 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 should not complain about mm. and i'm getting really tired of that yeah um and i think the exploitation of medicine and spirituality and wisdom is just increasing more and more now that people are turning their their eyes onto indigenous people and that's a very serious conversation for us and uh, you know it's it's harming both biodiversity and cultures and people and um that's why i think people should be really really careful with that mm. and um and sometimes you know you can even feel like oh i've been blessed by a community or an indigenous person and i'm i i it can be a part of this and I can do this and I can do that but if would like people that have not grown up in a community do not truly understand what um the spirituality is for us and what it looks like and how it works mm. how good judges of the situation people might might be um even though they feel like they have the the experiences to make those decisions to maybe mm. take medicine or uh experience indigenous spirituality which also I'm you know um I'm, I'm, I have some some thoughts about about the need to experience a spirituality. Um, for me, it 
it's really like it works it works in in territories i have something that is for me and then other part people from other parts of the world have something that in their ter- territory that they can find mm. um but if that has been lost where you are from well i would say begin the journey on to finding that instead of creating this exploitation mm. of other people's and cultures spirituality and wisdom yeah and now the ayahuasca tourism is booming and a white man is coming and taking something from you guys again and that obviously wakes up yeah. a trauma right yeah and it's it's something that we're taught to just accept and mm. stay silent about and i'm and i not just me but so many people are really frustrated about this and i think one issue is that you know some indigenous people in communities do allow this and um and sometimes because there are economic benefits because of it um but then also again these indigenous people that do it, maybe allow it they've been through so much trauma and oppression um and even though we feel like we've resisted colonization some parts of us have been colonized right and that is also and not um i should be careful with my words now <laughs> um but that is also you know maybe not understanding like the depth of impact that this could have when shared with the world mm. um and yeah definitely the exploitation of of our medicines is is increasing right now on a on a scale that's really scary and what's really concerning is that this is changing the social dynamics and um the uh, cultural practices in communities uh and it's also har- harming biodiversity because um many people think that they should uh get feathers and jaguar teeth uh jaguar teeth while they are practicing uh ayahuasca or or other plants and that is completely not true but that they should do that but it's it's creates so much harm to biodiversity and the jaguar is a you know it's it's a threatened animal mm. and is being hunted for the the one and only reason to sell this to tourists like we the jaguar is actually a, a sacred animal for us and we wouldn't there we don't eat the the meat and um people do not hunt the jaguar as a practice mm. so if there are you know jaguar skin or teeth like um in some cases it can be self defense but those are very few like mm-hmm. um so I, what i usually now say to people is like i advise them if you're buying um indigenous crafts like they're made of beads and very beautiful things and you want to support their their work like sure do that but do not buy feathers or anything that comes from animals even though it, it might be um portrayed as claimed on without harm, harming the animal um it's it's very hard to trace that and also because if you do it someone else will see you and they will do it too mm-hmm. and then this kind of domino effect starts um and it's just yeah i'm i'm just tried tired of being polite about it just mm-hmm. don't do it <laughs> yeah 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 and it's so tricky because the the impact of let's say the ayahuasca and other so many people find it you know very positive and 
you know, the consciousness expanding and they, you could say they become better human beings in, in the best case scenarios. And at the same time, you know, it's, we are crossing the border and, and, and um, visiting sacred spaces and, and your culture. And, and it's, for a Westerner, it's so hard to understand that we are kind of diving into into very core of your culture Mm -hmm. and um like i learned from you that actually for example the the medicine is is a it's so so important part of the community and quite young kids are already taught to um interact with it and that just shows the distance where we are like we we have um big challenges to understand that first of all the the power of the medicine and secondly you know it was maybe not meant to be so that we come and practice yeah and um this has been done for thousands of years right um so there is knowledge around that and i would not I would not recommend someone from this part of the world at an early age try this because there is no there is no expertise around that experience. Um, And that is a reason why I'm really skeptical about sharing this with the rest of the world, because there is no knowledge around that and there is no not a, a practice of it in uh, from in, in other people's cultures. Right. Um, but it's also, you know, like, yeah, people, people feel, people actually feel really hurt and threatened. And, um, uh, I think this conversation is really unfair to them actually. And I think that says a lot about them rather than us. It says that they feel like they have the right to practice this. They feel like they are entitled to it. And that's why it's uncomfortable and hurts them. Um, so I asked myself and them, like, so why do you feel entitled to this? A practice that has been, comes from not, that doesn't come from your culture, that belongs to someone else's culture and, and intimate or private part of their life. Why do you suddenly feel like you're entitled to it? Um, and then again, it's this habit of being able to take and exploit and get you know what whatever you're seeking for um and also why is it suddenly you know people are saying well people are hurting and we need to heal the world and yes but why is that indigenous people's responsibility and do you not think that indigenous people are hurt like there is so much hurting in our communities like our communities are the ones that were mostly affected by colonization now by segregation and inequalities and poverty and extractivism and climate change like how is it how is it now indigenous people's responsibility to heal the rest of the world you cannot lay that on indigenous people and try to extract one of the few things that are keeping indigenous people together and that have been one of the 
key parts of our identity and knowledge and that is um that is a a a theft that i i cannot i cannot accept um so i'm i'm really questioning this and i know that this this is hard for people to to accept um and it can be maybe hurtful because it feels like you are entitled to it um but this is hurting again at people that has been so hurt that it just doesn't justify um it doesn't justify the the good that might come out of it from my perspective and from what i've seen growing up in 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 in, the, in a community in the amazon um but yeah those are really tough conversations to have yeah what is your um definition of perfection and imperfection i don't believe in perfection like something can in the moment feel completely perfect but it's a feeling and it's an illusion and i think that's okay i think we can have the illusion of perfection and uh enjoy that illusion and experience uh but the world is an imperfect place and imperfection is good <laughs> yeah. yeah that's a perfect answer in your activist work do you call it activist work not really no? so what, what how you call uh, it my work <laughs> your work yeah what what kind of sacrifices you you have made uh i've been thinking a lot about this i had a tough couple of months last year um uh i've had a couple of tough periods in my life um and this was definitely one of the hardest ones and um i was reflecting on a lot of why i was having those thoughts and feelings and um for a moment i was thinking like okay what do i want to do with my life and i think that's something that people my age go through a lot but i don't think it um in the way that i was feeling it it was not like a, a normal thought it was more of like like i don't feel like i want to do something and that is something that i've never experienced before in my life because i've always had like this passion and purpose and um and then i think what i've sacrificed is maybe that kind of space in my life when i'm allowed to think of another world right so um for me it's always been well yeah thinking of creating another world but because i've seen all the bad things that i want to fight um so i think kind of that like i guess i don't know if it's innocence i i think that is something that i've sacrificed in in some periods of my life i've not allowed myself to dream like freely maybe mm. uh, i've had a lot of fun in my life but there are also times where i've um you know uh prioritized other things that normally people my age would not have mm. um and i guess like for me the biggest sacrifice was moving to finland uh for my education uh it wasn't a decision that i wanted to make but i definitely felt like i had to um i mean i wanted to go to school but if it, it that wasn't necessarily in finland i wanted to have a school in my community that i could go to but um i couldn't do that so 
I decided to move to the other part of the world. And that is a, a pretty big sacrifice at that age. Um, so I think I've had to like make those decisions that have not been very easy, but I've done um, because I've felt that those are the right things to do. And I do not regret myself moving to Finland, but I know that if there were other possibilities, I would have chosen something else. Hmm. What we could learn from the indigenous communities? What What do you think are the kind of key learning learning uh, points? Well, I think it's this balance that we've able been able to maintain in with nature. Um, I mean, of course, there is a lot of controversy. For example, if indigenous people should be able to hunt in our territories, um, and a lot of indigenous people resist that because, of course, this has been our way of, of subsisting for hundreds and thousands of years, right? Um, but it may not be possible in the reality that we live in. Um, but if we would have been able to protect com- for completely our territories, that would have been, you know, so, like, normal that we go hunting, etc. Like, it would have not created, like, done any damage to nature. Um and as i said despite having all of those threats we are we still have been able to preserve all forests and ecosystems so th- learning how to maintain that balance uh and coexisting with the natural world i think that is the most important lesson and for my community it's been um looking at nature as a living being um and that is what also why we think that it should have rights as a person has rights nature also should have rights and that is something that um we are we are fighting for and promoting um the living forest it's called the the kausaksacha in kichwa hmm. yeah if someone is now listening and and uh, wants to find ways to support your work or in general the the indigenous communities what what would be your advice Um, I think it's the most important thing is um, the the one that I was talking about before, like how is my life impacting the lives of others? Look at the position or the work that you have. Create change in that. If you work at a bank or uh, a company, are there policies that you can improve um, so that they don't hurt and harm indigenous people? Um, or do you have friends that are indigenous around you and you can maybe try to understand their realities better? So it depends in, in what situation of, of, of life you find yourself in. Um, but look at look and look into your own life and yourself on how do I create a safe a better world for you know and, and can give more space to indigenous people um, and people that are affected by, by these issues. Um, and I think, like, I, I, I always say this, like, every decision that we make today, we may need to base it off the fact that the climate crisis is here, even if it's in your workplace or in politics or a, a decision on your day to day. And um, I think same goes for indigenous people and human rights you know you need to think of that and be caught like um have that have that consciousness uh and i think that's a that's a a first step yeah Mm. as a last question um you have interestingly two audiences uh you have a lot of followers in the younger 
younger uh, generation, but at the same time you interact with the seniors and the leaders. Um, if you would just give one advice from your heart for both, mm-hmm. um, what what it would be? I think that the kind of leadership that we're looking for is going to lay on the younger generations. And that is a completely new kind of leadership. Like we need to define what leadership looks like. Um, and I don't think we can even imagine what that would look like. Like even if we're talking about what jobs would look like in 10, 20 years, those jobs do not exist today. Um, so young people, it's our role to redefine those and accept that like what people have done for the last decades is that they have just continued to doing what has apparently worked and that is what's different to my generation because we will be a generation of innovation when it comes to leadership um and to how this world will will work and to the elder generations it is to accept that because those are the ones that are fighting against that kind of change. Yeah. That's amazing ending. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Talks of Imperfection. The podcast is enabled by Edita Prima, the kindest Nordic tech company that orchestrates automated customer journeys to perfection by turning data friendly. That's all folks. It was good to have you on board. Please subscribe to the podcast, follow us on Instagram and hold tight until the next episode.